What foods are you in love with, Jared? I'm in love with pizza. I'm Ooh, in love you can't with, go wrong with uh, a good pizza. Uh, a lot of dumplings. I'm in love with um, ramen. I'm in love with uh, uh, pastas of all sorts, whether it be okay. a bolognese, whether it be a, a pomodoro, whether it be a pesto, whether it be a scampi, um, just to name a few. Okay. Um, I'm a big fan of a, of a risotto. I like risotto, you know, like the Italian rice. Um, those are some foods I love. I'm a little sad you didn't mention beer in there anywhere, but then again, Beer's that isn't a food. <laughs> so I guess we can let that one slide, Jerry. Oh, what we other foods I love? Slide. Tequila, uh, <laughs> <laughs> Xanax. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Well, it's uh, good to be back. Good to see you again, buddy. That's for yeah, sure. Dude. Yeah, man. Happy yeah. Sunday. Just a couple more Sundays away from... Uh, chilling back together again in person i'm looking forward to it yeah for those people listening this as soon as it has hit the airwaves your boy don't worry is uh knows that he has your boy meaning me i didn't mean to switch to third person like this your boy i know <laughs> that i have my vaccine appointment this afternoon at 155 or 150 there you and, go uh, i'll be there you bet you better be you know, I listen to the square. podcast as soon as it comes out every morning. So I didn't even put a calendar reminder. This is just this is the reminder. There you go. <laughs> Who needs calendar reminders? There's no way you I have won't the untranslatable podcast. You know, first thing Monday morning. So I'm like, oh yeah, that's right. Or first that's thing Thursday for sure. morning. Well, Jared, we are talking about education today, and mm-hmm. um, definitely am excited about. Well, sad and excited about this coming month for my own teaching because basically May will be exam month. Midterm May is what we might as well call it because What does that uh, mean for you? Cuz that well, it's it's good and bad, I guess. So it's good in the fact that I don't have to actually prep any lectures mm-hmm. because my graduate course, they will be the ones leading the lectures. So and you they don't have oversee picked. the test taking. Well, well, uh, I haven't gotten there yet. So, okay. so with my with my grad students, they are actually going to be leading lectures, like they're they're the teacher, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and then my undergrad class that will be uh, my speaking class, and that will consist mostly of five minute interviews that uh, with uh, about two hundred and something students. So it's going to take a couple of that weeks. You do yes, five minutes times two hundred. That's a thousand minutes. Divided by sixty, what's a thousand divided by sixty? Um, I gotta get out my. I'll do it. I'll do it. I'll do it. I'll okay. do it. I'll do it. A thousand by sixty. I'm not sure. That's what sixteen is it? hours. Yep, sounds about right. So, so you're gonna do? Is it essentially over three days? You're gonna do it? Uh, no, no, no. It'll be or seventeen uh, it'll, hours actually. It'll be two hours. So it'll be uh, two hours. In the evening for me over here in the States, um, over three weeks. So I guess that would be six hours per class. But then also... How are you going to keep these straight? I added... Uh, I have a Word document that just has a long <laughs> list. And I have the okay. schedule of students you kind of have well. to... There's no way you can like think back onto the a previous person's... Oh, no. you. I will be writing <laughs> notes furiously while they're talking. You have to be, essentially get it all in that one... And you can't be like, well, what did what did that person say? It's like, I have no right. idea. Well, and when you're grading so many students, you kind of have to take it as like a, 
you know, I have my rubric, you know, I'll be, uh, what I'll be grading them based on is um, vocabulary usage. So there's a bunch of vocabulary we've learned throughout the semester, vocabulary usage, accuracy. So uh, I'm fine with grammar errors, but if I don't understand what you're saying, then mm. that's an issue. So accuracy. Also, um, you're I don't probably like to call super it- lenient as a teacher. I can imagine if you were my teacher, yeah. I could rake you over the coals. I don't know if you could rake me over the coals, but <laughs> I do tend to give my students the uh, benefit of the doubt. For sure. Well, yeah, but we'll, we'll see, though. I have a few students that I am worried they're gonna they're not going to do great on this just based on mm. when this we've had warning. class conversations. Um, you heard it here first. But yeah. Yeah, dude. But I'm, uh, I don't know. As I said, I'm happy and I'm sad about it. I'm happy because I will be able to see where my students are at and I'm excited to see where they are at and see what vocabulary they are retaining and what they aren't. However, I am kind of sad that it's basically going to be three full weeks of just basically, you know, well, it's, it's going to be three weeks of me having conversations with my students basically, which that in itself is okay. But I think the, uh, no, like I could, it, it'll just be very different. That sounds exhausting. Personally, that sounds exhausting to me, but that's why I'm not in that line of work. That's fair. Um, well, good luck, dude. Good luck. Thank you. So that means no AMAs for a while. That's true. That mm. is true. Mm. Good point. But let's, uh, speaking of AMAs, do we want to talk about a couple of them? Speaking of which, what a weird coincidence that I just brought that up. <laughs> I know, right? Um, so, so yeah, so I still have been doing the ask me anything with a lot of my, well, not with a lot, with, uh, all of my freshman students mm-hmm. and, uh, every week we have specific voc- vocabulary terms related to the chapter. And so instead of just giving them all the freedom and flexibility to ask me whatever, I now will post, use these vocabulary words in your questions. Right. So, mm-hmm. so last week we were talking about, uh, Should've. expressing, Wants and need. Actually, yes. Should was one of the words, Jerry. Yeah. Did you say like, um, was it passive verbs or something or or participles or something? <laughs> uh, no, but uh, mo- modal verbs is what oh, we talked about last verbs. time. Modal oh, okay. verbs. But yeah, so should was in there. Could, would. Mm. Uh, uh, last week, actually, so, we talked about wants and needs. And I will tell you what, man, I got some very philosophical messages mm. from my students about, because I asked them, I said, in your opinion, what's the difference between wanting something and needing something? And one oh, thing wow. that I had I had students in numerous classes answer, which I found was interesting, I've never thought about it this way, but it was interesting to think about, was the idea that they viewed, Let me let me think about it here, they viewed... Um, wanting is something active and needing, uh, or active or positive needing is something passive or negative. Um, and the reason mm. why I, I was curious when my students said this, so I asked them, you know, I probed and, and wanted to hear more about what they had to say. And so they said, the reason why wanting is associated with positive is because a lot of times if you want something, you have not always, but most of the time, if you want something, you have to work for it, right? It's something you, mm. it could be a material possession. It could be a job. It could be uh, a, a certain lifestyle. There's lots of different things you can want in life, right? So you have to kind of take more of an active role. And generally, not always, but generally, if you get something you want, there's like a positive reaction, right? Whereas needing something, with needing something, if you need something, you you also might still have to work for it, but the thing is, if you don't get something that you need, the consequences are so much more negative than wanting something, right? Mm. 
I had just never considered it like that before. So it was really interesting yeah. to I, you know just hear these perspectives. I don't know if I fully follow the negative and positive aspect of it, but that way of saying like the active and passive that 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 I find that interesting the idea of like wanting something is something that like you ha- you are actively just interested in seeking out and uh it's something that is it, like it's something that you have to come across and 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 and, you know realize that you want essentially exactly something that you need is like you don't have to really think about needing something that you need (laughs) you know it's just something that's passively it's sort of it's like um you know like a not genetically but it's like instinct almost you know Mm -hmm. to to react on on that need or whatever Right. Um, so I thought that was interesting, but I don't know I, the the positive and negative. I struggled. I I understand what they're saying, but but um, but I don't know if I would say just because the the, the like the the uh you know if you don't fulfill the needs, it could be a lot more catastrophic. I don't I don't know if I'd say that as a negative thing though. Right. I, I right. don't know. I just find that that connotation a interesting. But hey, I'm not saying they're wrong. I just I'm 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 intrigued. I'm intrigued. Hey, that person gets an A. It's yeah. There have been some really interesting discussions in my classes, which I will say, teaching online, um, it has its pros and its cons. It's not my favorite. If I could pick, I would for sure prefer to be face to face if it was safe and possible, right? Uh, but I've been really impressed with just the level of discussions my students have been having, not only with the class, but also with themselves. I've been doing more partner work with them. The only negative thing about online teaching, Jared, is with partner work, it's all based on trust and respect. Like, I have no way of, you know, I could have them turn their cameras on, I guess, but a lot of them, mm. uh, and we'll be talking about this later in today's episode, speaking of barriers of education, but a lot of them don't have good enough internet access or internet speed or bandwidth, really, to turn on their camera and not have a bunch of other problems arise. Mm-hmm. So so it's tricky. You know, when I say, all right, you have five minutes to discuss with a partner, they could just be sitting there eating their breakfast, not doing anything, you know, reading a Chinese comic book or something, you know, mm-hmm. and I would have no way... To control it. Uh, I mean, the only way I quote unquote control it is after the time is up, then I ask students, okay, who did you speak with? What did you talk about? Um, you know, so. And then you cross examine, you ask the other person, and they say something completely different. Exactly. And then <laughs> <out> of the <laughs> online meeting. Like, ah, gotcha. Exactly. Exactly. But anyways, let's get to some of these AMAs. So we were talking about uh, wants and needs. So one student asked me, they said, what are your biggest wants? And I want to ask you this, Jared, what are your biggest wants and what are your biggest needs when you travel? And I thought about that and I was like, that's a good question. Yeah. I was like, that's a really good question. (laughs) So what are your thoughts, Jared? What are your wants and what are your needs when you travel? Wants and needs. Uh, Start, Start with the needs first. I think it's easier to start with the needs. Well, that's tough because it depends on where I'm going, you know? Like, we'll say I, international I like, travel. Sure, but that's still pretty up. generic. That's still pretty. <laughs> that's still pretty. But um, uh, I would say I need, uh, I need access to, to things without having to have a car. So okay. I need to be able to get places without a car, essentially. Okay. That's a pretty strong. I guess want. It sounds more like you need to find a place where you could travel without needing a car. I need to find a place that I... I need to find a... uh, Sorry, say that again. It sounds like you need to find a place where you can travel where they have infrastructure set up so you don't need a car. Right, 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 right. 
Yeah. But see, you're you're already thinking of this like levels way deeper yeah, than my too, students were. Yeah, that's oh, it's, okay. I need a place where I feel safe. Like I need to stay in a place st- where I feel You're still you're still a couple levels too deep. Well, let's start what? surface level. <laughs> Before you get on the plane, Jared, what do you need? Oh, a ticket? Okay. What else? <laughs> um, yeah. a passport? Yep. Uh a uh uh, Guess what else my students all said? I don't even know. I don't even know. I'm too so, deep. For so these they said children. passport or ID card. <laughs> that was another thing my students said. Okay. Uh, then the top two answers after that were smartphone. Okay, that's because in China very you literal. do really need a smartphone. I mean, you kind of do anywhere to travel. Let's right, be honest. Right. And then they also said a water bottle. Very common in China to see people carrying around a water okay. bottle with them, yeah. but but you're right. They were they were taking this more at that's, the literal I mean, but level. That's what you need. But that's what they would need. Those things that they just said they'd need for any day of the week, not just that's traveling. True. <laughs> that's true. Like, do they ever leave the house without any of those things that they just named? Well, probably not. I don't know if they always leave with their uh, ID. I don't know if they always leave with their ID cards because. I know on campus you could probably just use your student right, ID, Jim. but right. we're getting in, just, the, in the you weeds. You could have just agreed, <laughs> and we could have moved on. <laughs> but no, you had to find a reason why my my question was wrong. All right, whatever, fine, I was wrong. Never mind. No, you're good. Uh, so what what other things? So give me two more things you need, and then give me two things you want, Jared. When you try, uh, I mean, I want a first class ticket. Okay, okay. Um, Qatar Airways, so you get that nice. Comfy yeah, room you know I'm an Emirates. I'm an Emirates man myself, but Qatar's a nice and is a is a nice airline. They do a good job. Um, I want um, I want a, a well, like a good location, you know. Mm-hmm. And for need, uh, um, I need like walking around money, you know. Oh, for sure. Or, or even like I need money. Essentially, not even just walking around. Money. It was, it was money, funny, period. Jared. When we were talking about That's money, my one. my students got a bit in an argument because in China you don't really need cash anymore because they but just need use money. WeChat Pay. But it's still well, money. Right, but but that's why when they say smartphone, because I because oh. I would ask them that. So you there's know, no reason I'm, to say phone and money. Right, at least that, in, in yeah, the case true. of China, we're yeah. still we're we're still using credit cards here. In the U.S., we're we're just getting to tap. <laughs> yep, exactly, exactly. And it's blowing people's minds. <laughs> right. It was it was so fun, like asking the students, you know, to okay, back up this reason or tell me why. You know what I mean? Other because you know the easy option is to just say, oh yeah, I need my cell phone. It's like mm-hmm. that's that's one sentence. Tell tell me why you need it. You know sure. what are you going to use it for? Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was a fun one. Uh, that's here was fair. One, so here, here, here were my responses, though, as well, Jared, for you. A uh, couple things I need and a couple things I want for travel. One thing I need is, um, and this is kind of a silly thing, I guess, but I need, I need a uh, travel itinerary that is spread out enough so I'm, you know me, Jared, if my flight is like, if I have a connection flight and it's like an hour in between, Nope, I'm I'm not going to mm. do it. I probably will make the flight, but I would just rather give myself that extra time. So I want a flight I tin or well, I guess maybe oh, it's yeah. not a need, but a want. So I see, I I'm want not afraid because I you know I hate air airports, mm-hmm. so I'm not afraid to pack that shit nice and tight. I, when I told you when I was in um, when I came back from check from Berlin when we when it, when we did our trip a couple of years ago, I was sprint not sprinting. I don't sprint <laughs> through airports. But I did have to give a healthy jog to catch my flight in Heathrow because I was like, an hour and a half is enough. Come on. And right. I forgot Heathrow is bigger than 
uh, most average size cities. <laughs> and, I, <laughs> and I was like, oh shit, this is a lot farther than I was expecting. Um, so uh, that makes sense, though. I, I mean, I know you. You, you need a. You need a. You need a well. Like you need like a plan. That's what it yep. is. You need yep. you need a fully worked out plan, for sure. I'm trying to get rid of that, Jared. Once I, uh, I mean, that's w- not bad. That's not a bad trait, by right. the way. <laughs> it's not bad, but sometimes it's good to also be sure a little bit could, more spontaneous. Sure, you could but. chill out, but the instinct to want to have a plan is not a bad instinct. <laughs> right. Right. Uh, so let's see here. So so that was one thing. Oh, another thing I said I needed. Um, I would argue you need this, not you want this, but I need comfortable walking shoes. Mm. Like if I'm going on a trip, I want to br- yeah. I want to bring some sneakers with See, me that I can walk all day in, and it'll be all good. The way your students were were talking, I agree with you. That seems like a need, but the way your students were talking, that clear they would clearly put that into the want category because right. they're talking about like well pants, uh, oxygen right. to breathe, <laughs> <laughs> right? <laughs> right, exactly, exactly. And then uh, what did I say I wanted? Uh, oh. Uh, I want, and this this is a borderline want and or need. I think for Jared, this is a need. A good set of headphones, over ear headphones. Oh, that's a need. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, that's a need to the same level of like the the smartphone. <laughs> like, right. <laughs> right. If I leave the house, that's certainly something I, I got to make sure I have. Exactly. Yeah. No, exactly. for sure. I, I I could not, dude. I went to the. I had a flight to. Uh, Baton Rouge one time. This was uh, many years ago. Uh, old enough to where I was by myself. And I forgot my Dr. Dre headphones. This was probably sometime in college or something. I went to... I was, I, there was, I was so... Not going to fly without headphones. I went to one of those damn like airport stores. Sky malls or... And I bought headphones. Um, and they were sort of like average over-the-ear headphones. And then after I bought those headphones and I was sitting at my seat with the headphones on listening to my shit, I went online to see how much the headphones would cost if I wasn't in an airport. And it was like almost like half. I could I could have bought them for like half. And I wasn't oh, even no. mad. I'm like, this is what you get. This is why you bring, <laughs> this is why you bring your headphones. Right. <laughs> I was mad in the sense where it's that I forgot my headphones, but I was like, I I still wasn't traveling without headphones. That was not going to happen. Right. So I'm with you. That's a need for me. Here's here's another good question my students ask me. That would be a fun one for you as well. What do you think is the most worthwhile thing to do when you travel? For me personally, is one of our vocabulary words. For me personally, I like to. Go on maps off exploration. I think that's the most worthwhile for me. Exploration's a lot of fun for travel, for sure. Yeah. I said, I got I got my nerd on, Jared, and I said uh, one of the most worthwhile things that I've experienced while traveling a lot of times is visiting a good museum. See, I knew you'd say some cheesy shit like that. <laughs> I honestly think some of my best times have been just like the exploration. Like I remember when I was in Tanzania... We d- I did a whole lot of cool shit, but there was uh, but a, uh, one afternoon in this uh, or you know, a couple times I would just go out when we had free time and just walk through the villages and I'd be like all right I turned left there then I made a left I made like two lefts I can get back and I would just walk through these areas I've never seen before and to me that was some of the coolest stuff and and a lot of places that I've been to I figured you'd say museum what are some really museums that have changed your life Chad. The one of my favorite, I, I don't know if I'd say it changed my life, but one of my favorite museums <laughs> uh, that, was a little that, <laughs> that I ever checked out was the um, um, the the um, like the old the the collection mm. of old music instruments in Vienna 
in the uh, in the uh, Hofburg. That's probably one of my favorite museums. Did, did I go there too? Was this first semester? You, I went there second semester, uh, oh, actually okay. with my parents when they came to visit. So this wasn't the one that we saw with uh, with the class. It wasn't. No. Okay. Um, let's see here. Other. I mean, uh, there's there's a lot of them. Uh, the Rijksmuseum in Amsterdam is absolutely amazing. Mm. That has a lot of great artwork. I um, feel like I, I I feel like it's rare. Like I I wish I could pretend. That I'm going to museums and like really getting something out of it, but I feel I don't feel like I am. I even like going to the DIA, but I feel like it's just because I like walking around. Like I feel like it's more yeah. the walking. <laughs> like I feel like a, it's like an old person at the mall almost. <laughs> uh, it's just nice stuff to look at. But I, I really I, I wish, especially art museums, like maybe like a like something where you're actually seeing an artifact maybe mm-hmm. will, will hit me a little bit more. So or like, that's more like a history museum, Yeah, like a, right? Some sort of history museum, natural history museum. Maybe that stuff hits me a little more. But I struggle with art museums to really just walk around and stare at a piece and be and like... You know what my favorite museum story is, Jared? Speaking of uh, um, uh, natural history museums. What's that? Is this ringing any bells for you? Oh, natural yes, history it is. Museums. Yes, Should I tell this is, story? Dude, I think this is, a, this is a worthwhile story for the please. pod, I would say. This was a so, highlight of, of study abroad, was, for sure. It was. So, uh, all right, listeners, let, let's... Uh, wish we had, like, that sound effect of, like, a harp, like, you know, to like, put you in that magical <laughs> oh, space. Yeah. But anyway, so just pretend. So so this is when uh, Jared and Chad were we lads in undergrad, uh, and we were... This was back way back in 2012... Um, almost 10 years ago now, which is really hard to believe. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, we had taken this class. Uh, it was basically like the uh, uh, the cultural history of Austria, if I remember correctly. We've, if you if you listened to this podcast before, we've certainly talked about this class before. Oh, definitely, definitely. It was yeah. by far one of because we definitely have one of our endless favorite stories classes. from this class. Yeah, because <laughs> this do. is what something we've never brought up. <laughs> right, right. We haven't yet, and I'm surprised we've gone almost 300 episodes and we haven't told this story. So, so we took this class, and we had this amazing professor in this class. And what our class consisted of, it was a morning. Cl- it was like a three-hour class, if mm-hmm. I remember correctly, right? Mm-hmm. And I remember looking at the roster at first and being like, yeah, "Damn, oof. like a three-hour three. lecture <laughs> yeah, early that. in the morning." I'm not so sure. And, and but Jared and I ended up taking it. We were both German majors, and it was taught in German, so it also fulfilled some of those requirements. Mm-hmm. So, anyways, our first hour of the three hours was spent in class sometimes not even the entire hour sometimes like 30 45 minutes and then we would leave the classroom and we would either walk or take the uh great public transit in vienna and we would go check out all these places we were learning about in class Mm -hmm. and i'll never forget the culmination of our semester was when it was one of our last classes and we went to the uh, the Natural History Museum in Vienna, which is on the Ring Street in Vienna, um, and it is juxtaposed um, to the um, Art History Museum. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and they're facing these are, each other. Exactly. Thank you. Yeah, they're not juxtaposed, but they're facing each other. And, uh, and it's anyways, just the outside of these buildings are gorgeous. So we go in there. And uh, I guess maybe I should preface before this, though. Yeah, because you you haven't even got to why the why would you even be in the situation, <laughs> right? So so to preface that, I I would say that I had a pretty decent relationship with that professor. We talked sure. a lot, you we, know, yeah. chit chatted during our yeah. walks to different places, and I had brought up to her that my Austrian roommate, shout out to Tomas, 
had uh, turned me on to buying this alcohol called corn yeah, that you guys, is basically flavorless alcohol. You guys really got into a phase there for a bit with this. It stuff. was fun. <laughs> it was it was a good time. So what happened was is we started to we would go to uh, the supermarket or some of the markets surrounding our apartment, and we would get fruits and put them in this corn alcohol, leave them in our closet for about a month. And then uh, we would drain the fruits out, and then we had a schnapps tasting party. That's another Uh story for another time. Yeah. Um, But anyways, so I had told our professor about, you know, I'm making my own schnapps. But I explained to her that it's not like I'm, you know, I'm actually branding the, the schnapps. I'm not actually, you know, creating the alcohol itself. I'm buying the alcohol and then basically flavoring it. Mm-hmm. And she said, oh, what what fruits, what flavors do you have? And uh, and one of my favorite ones was like a strawberry mixed with cherry. And I told, I told her, she said, oh, that sounds delicious. How about you bring it with you <laughs> for our last for our last class so we can all so we can all try some so so we go into the uh we go into the natural uh history museum wait so can i ask you a question yeah so she said bring it to the last class and it was sort of just left at that and you knew we were going to the museum where you're like how am i supposed to bring were you thinking should i bring this like is she serious should i bring this bottle to a museum What, what was your plan as far as you knowing that we were going somewhere so, so remember, Jared, I had my handy-dandy leather jacket with me, yes. and it was one of the skinnier, smaller bottles that we had gotten because it was a was like an old Kirschwasser or one of those types of liquors yeah, everybody over knows there what that, a Kirschwasser that, bottle well, is. Well, it just basically just comes in a <laughs> it was skinnier a small bottle. bottle. Sure. Yeah. I do remember and, it was in there pretty smoothly. Yeah, I, and I so it even... fit right in my inner like breast pocket on my leather ja- in my leather yeah. jacket. So I popped it in there, and then when we got into the museum, Jared, most people put their coats up in the coat check. Mm-hmm. What I did was I wrapped, I, I held onto the bottle mm. from the inside, and I wrapped my leather jacket around and just held it. I see. so I was walking around basically with my <laughs> arms crossed and my leather jacket and my and my uh, homemade schnapps. Throughout this amazing museum, and it was our first time in that museum. And our and teacher got us the VIP tour, bro. Yep. We yep. went to places I don't think everyone's allowed to go, if I'm not mistaken. <laughs> we oh, went to sure. the roof. Yep. We uh, we went to this one room that was just filled with skulls. Remember yep. that? That was crazy. <laughs> yeah, that was and absolutely I'm like, crazy. Are people allowed to be up here? Because it was just like offices that we were walking by. Right. Well, and we had some connections there for sure. We, our teacher, did. We did not right. have any. <laughs> right. Well, our teacher and our study abroad program. Oh, I had see. Some I connections. see. I see. And so, yeah. And then so we ended up at this one little. It was like a top little ring that's like a balcony. But mm-hmm. I don't know if you're actually allowed to go. Like, it's not just open to the public, but it's right. like a little balcony at the top of of this beautiful little like. Uh, what do you call one of those domey little areas in a uh, museum? You know, right. when you first walk in, there's like that sort the of atrium, dome, something right? like that. Yeah, maybe, maybe. And um, did she did she just ask you? Did she's like, did you bring it or did she or something like that? How did how did it how did it come out? Were you so like, if, hey, I if, got the uh, the booze. If I remember correctly, I asked I asked her and I said, hey, um, um, I I brought the bottle with me. Are we are we still going to? And and she was like, oh yeah, of course. And she took and 
it's so funny, dude. Thinking back, like I think we all just passed the bottle. I, we must have had cups. We must have had cups. I think we Did might we? have had little cups. I There's think. No, I think maybe the guy from asked, the Natural History Museum got. I think cups. she You're asked right. the guy, You're and right. he had like little, like almost like you know Dixie cup style cups yeah. or something. Yeah. There's You're no right. way we just took around. <laughs> yeah, that would be hilarious to think about now. Just a swig. In COVID yeah. times, if we're just passing around one bottle <laughs> right. among like thirty people. <laughs> right. Oh man. And we all took a shot of your schnapps on, on in this museum. And that was the probably the one of the best bottles I made. I just remember that one tasted great. That was and that was wasn't that if listen, I, I might be speaking on a turn, but that might have been this like the same day as the party. I feel like the party so. could have been that evening. Pretty sure. And that was a crazy party. That was a good party, too. We won't talk <laughs> oh about that. But, um, <laughs> oh, that was wild. But yeah, but, um, that was by far, though, just that view from the roof yes. and looking out at everything. That was probably one of the most worthwhile experiences that we was had amazing. in Vienna. That was amazing. Yeah. So, so yeah. But yeah, dude, I've been loving these uh, Ask no Me Anything questions from, from there. All <laughs> 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 right. That's right. Literally. No barriers yeah, to education. No, no kidding. The top of this museum. No kidding. Oh, but yeah. But anyways, I really enjoy these uh, Ask Me Anything questions I get from my students. Um, one last one that I got as well is, um, what what do you wish you could do if you could go back um, in time, like when you were in China? Because mm. wish was another one of the vocabulary verbs. Yeah, and 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 I had to do a lot of reflection. Uh, and after you the lesson, I did in, some in class. More. I did. Yes. I did. <laughs> so what do you so what do you wish you could do, just, Chad? <laughs> exactly exactly i'm sorry uh, well the the first thing that i told my students though i wish as much as i did travel i wish i would have traveled even more the mm. reason why i didn't travel as much is because i thought i'd have an entire year potentially two years there See, that's what's wrong with uh with people in general you know you have to live in the moment that's true not be like i'll have time in the future do it now Right. One of, one of the students asked me if I regretted not seeing the Great Wall of China. And I'll be honest with you, I think it would be cool, but I, mm. I actually regret more so, like, there were a couple cities I did visit, and I just, because I visited those cities for work, I didn't have time to really check them out. Um, Isn't so the Great Wall of China kind of out of the way? Like, it's not really close well, to anything, it is it? It depends where you live. It depends where you live. And uh, I know I know they have a bunch of tour buses from Beijing, and I think it's like a three-hour bus ride or so to get there. Mm. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's not it, – you go yeah, if I you see. go there, it's like a day trip usually. Yeah. And it's super crowded, and I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I, I, it, it feels like the Eiffel Tower or, or the, what is it, the St. Charles Bridge mm-hmm. in, in Prague. In Prague. It's like these are obviously very cool things, but it's like there are a lot of cool things I could do where I'm not in just a hyper, hyper tourist trap, you know? Right. Because uh, just the vibe of the hyper tourist trap is sometimes sometimes not. Honestly, yeah. sometimes being around tourists is the worst part. You know? Oh, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> Especially if they're not well-behaved like, tourists. Yeah. Yeah, that's very true. But yeah, I just I just love the fact that you know, I give these students a couple of vocabulary words to kind of run with, and then they really do run with them. Yeah. Um, so, so it's yeah. been a lot of fun. I guess we'll have to take a short hiatus though on these uh, AMA questions because, yeah, the the next uh, couple of weeks will be Serious it's midterm work. May coming up. So yeah. But yeah, well, dude, I think uh, you might happen to know what time it is. I do know what time it is. Actually, this time I do. Oh. 
But you That's can't right. hear it. It's time for some untranslatables, mm-hmm. which are idioms, proverbs, sayings, axioms that don't always translate on a one-to-one basis into English. And uh, I will get us started today, Jared, with an Italian phrase. Uh, this is a funny one. Avere, uh, uh, avere la botte pi, uh, pi, piena e la moglia ubriaca. Ubriaca, sorry. And this means the literal translation is to have a full bottle of wine and a drunk wife. Oh, um, we've done this one before, but obviously, you know, I can't think of what it is. It's like to have your cake and eat it, too. Very good. Mm -hmm. Very good. Mm -hmm. I really do need to just get the ham horn. I don't know why. It's not like I can't do it. (laughs) I'm just lazy. That's what it is. I'm just lazy. Um, All right. Well, here, hold on. I'm actually going to get a ham horn. There we go. You deserve it. Here we go. <laughs> there, there we go. What do you got for me today, Jared? Um, my first untranslatable is Brazilian Portuguese, mm-hmm. and it's chove e nao molha. Chove e, is it e or a? Chove a, maybe how, how, how good is, a. it seems like a, it seems like the portuguese would say a doesn't it i think so but i could be wrong i can't imagine a portuguese person saying e right here i'm just i was just stalling google so translate I could play it. yeah <laughs> chove no molha chove no molha chove no molha which means okay, which means um uh it rains but it doesn't get wet that sounds like something like They'd say in an rains, action movie before you get shot in the face. <laughs> <laughs> it's it rains, like pouring down rain wet. outside. You're like, it rains, but it never gets wet. <sighs> hmm. I'm assuming that's not what it actually means, though. Assuming there's no action-packed um, well, connotations it's, with it, or is there? It, um, there it, 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 uh, I'm going to say, actually, it does kind of have something to do with that. But I'm not saying it... I'm, but. I'm not saying it's going to end violent or not, you know. It rains, but when it rains, but it doesn't get wet. Think about it. Think about it. It means to be prepared. We have an untrans. No, we have an untranslatable that you might say about talking. You might say about talking. Yeah, it rains, but it doesn't get wet. To talk somebody's ear off? No. Uh, It's something a little more. It's no, it's a little more aggressive of a of a untranslatable than that. Talk smack, but someone that talks smack, it rains, but it doesn't get wet. Talk smack, but but they never follow up on what they say. Well, that's what the untranslatable is. I would say all talk, no no uh, no bite. You know, all bark, no bite. All bark, no bite. All talk, Shit. no action. You're right. I didn't. That was my fault. It would have been <laughs> if I got the English untranslatable right as the example. Maybe that would have gone a little better. Be, uh, yeah, I guess it means it'd be all, all bark, talk, no, no action, right? Or or walk the walk, talk the talk, eh? Yeah, all all, all yeah, yeah, yeah. You, like you're you're Tony, all talk. Why don't you walk the walk if you're yeah, talking you, you the talk? Yeah, you talk the talk, but you can't walk the walk. Exactly. Okay. So I wasn't completely wrong. I just was thinking of the wrong untranslatable. All right. Yeah. That's so fair. it just means that someone that's he's throwing around a lot of empty threats. You know, it's like you right. make a lot of threats, but you're never going to do anything. Okay. All right. It rains, but somehow I'm never getting wet. Right. Uh, yeah. Because you're 
Talking a lot of S, but you're not backing it up. Okay. I like that. Let me uh, let me give you a check one. I haven't done a check one in a while. Um, so here we go. Um, so this is beat the rice, which means to be in the rice. Hmm. We have a similar untranslatable that also has a food involved. It's a green food you eat in a jar. Oh, in a little bit of a pickle. There we go. <laughs> there we go. You're in a sticky situation. Yep. And for the All checks, right. that would be to be in the rice. Okay. In the rice. Mm-hmm. Makes sense, though. You know, if you're stuck in some sticky rice, that's a, I mean, a le- legit sticky situation right there. Or as you know? they say from Ocean's Eleven. Have you ever seen Ocean's Eleven? Nope. Oh, okay. In some Barney. Bonnie Rubble, Trouble. <laughs> it's a uh, it's an Ocean's Eleven's line. I've seen that movie way too many times. Um, my last untranslatable is uh, Hebrew, and it's uh, Tzifoni. Tzifoni. T-Z-F-O-N-I. Tzifoni. And it means uh, north or northern. North or northern. Now, I would actually say this is not like an American untranslatable or anything. But I would say that there's a similar sort of stereotype or connotation here when you think of North or Northerners. Someone who's cold? Are you saying, what do you, what do you, what do you mean, cold because of the weather? Sure. No. <laughs> I mean, aren't, aren't, isn't like the stereotype for a lot of places like people in the North are a little bit colder Whereas people in the South are a little bit friendlier. Have you oh, never okay. heard that before? Yeah, I've heard that. I've heard that. I didn't, but I was confused if you meant if you were like conflating the fact that it was cold in the North and saying that people are cold, or you're saying that people's like like personality wise were colder. I was just confused right. on what you meant. That's not what I mean, I though. <laughs> you know what? The, the the connotation I'm thinking of is more of like almost more I would say associated with politics almost. No, see, that's not gonna, the, you, is you, the North, are they more liberal? Um, and what do you call, what, what do they call some of the liberals that are like on maybe the, the coast? Maybe? Hipsters? Oh my gosh. Col- the snobby, rich person. A North oh, or Northern okay. is like, is someone that's snobby or rich. I was thinking like a, you know, like a coastal elite, you know, is okay. the sort of thing I was leaning towards. But yeah, it's apparently, uh, and I think just in general, the North here in the U.S. as well is considered like kind of snobs when they, especially in the way that they talk about Southerners, you know, I think yeah, uh, Northerners are super ignorant about it and kind of snobby about about the North in comparison. You know, That's fair. That's fair. Well, Jared, let me give you one more check untranslatable for today. I thought this one would be a good one. Uh, it is snidane na which means breakfast on a fork. It's like everything's handed to you. Everything's easy peasy. I will say this one actually does have to do with breakfast. Breakfast on a fork, and it has to mm-hmm. do with breakfast. <laughs> what are what are types of breakfast you can eat, Jared? Like a hearty breakfast. A breakfast on a fork is like a okay. Like a, okay, uh, some okay. You're getting you're getting warmer. Breakfast on a fork, a sit-down breakfast, you know, like a big old sit-down. So if you get a sit-down breakfast, what... Eggs. Uh, 
what pancakes yes all of these foods you eat them how are they usually served hot hot foods hot breakfast there we go hot breakfast okay well breakfast with a fork is what it is yep that's That's what what they they call call like a hot breakfast breakfast. okay Mm -hmm. so if you go okay interesting which, I mean, which, that makes like, sense. I would say we we would we would generally say maybe hot lunch more often, right? Like when we were in school, hot lunch meant like you got usually it meant you got a lunch at the school, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Um, but yeah, I thought that was kind of interesting though, and that does lead into our topic today, which is barriers in in school. And one big barrier, Jared, is not getting enough food throughout the school day. That's um, true. Not getting your hot breakfast. I mean, we did talk about uh, when we did our episode on standardized tests and test taking, we did talk about how for those very important days in school, they'd feed you with like a bagel and a juice box or something, you know? Yeah. Well, there are a lot of people in a lot of cities in the U.S. that also school is, they rely on school for breakfast and lunch. <clears throat> and like if 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 you don't if they don't go to get it from school then they're they might not get it too so there's also that um but yeah um in general well that's a that's in, in general is a barrier also because even people that do have access to food have access to terrible food we've talked about mm-hmm. cafeteria food and it's like bosco you know, sticks we went to we went to schools that had pretty good access and we still mm-hmm. had this terrible food <laughs> right um we took a class you know the first time that i really had any sort of serious uh insights into uh barriers to education was our freshman year seminar class that we took alternate education mm-hmm. do you remember that class chad of course i do shout out to guy and jason Shout out to Guy and Jason. That was the first sort of real world experience I had. We visited schools in our city of Albion where we went to college, which was a, you know, pretty poor town and, uh, you know, that had a lot of funding issues with their schools. Right. Um, We visited so much so that they don't have schools in Albion anymore. Oh, not at all. I'm pretty sure they're all in Marshall. I think you're right. I think that happened while we were there, actually. No, no, no. It happened, I think, uh, a couple years ago. Oh, really? I feel like we we weren't. it Certainly, was a school process. closed down while a school or two closed down while we were there. Yes, I think that was just kind of the tip of the iceberg. But now I it's think. officially no more schools in Albion. Right, right. That which is a huge barrier in general. That that's a huge. Yeah. I mean that that's kind of scary for a city too because it's like a city that's already struggling to not even have any like a school system. That's got to be a huge make it a very difficult to get people to move to that city. Where it's like, yeah, move here, and then you're going to have to send your kids 30 minutes away or 40 minutes away or whatever to go to school. Are you right. looking up when the school closed? Yeah, so it was 2013. So um, so we were still there. Yeah, I think you were that. right. Uh, yeah, there we yeah. go. There, ooh, yeah, yeah you were so right. Good. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. I just <laughs> like your reaction for that. That's hilarious. Um, but, but, yeah, it's, <clears throat> I, will, I will agree with you, though, that, like, location as well, especially if we're talking about the U.S., um, but also, I've heard stories. There was this uh, story that went viral while while I was living in China. This uh, this one little boy in China, he would walk seven miles to and from school. He was from a very you know um, poor um, village in China, mm-hmm. and this poor child would walk seven miles to school in the morning and seven miles back home a day. And he would come in and like his eyelashes were frozen, his hair was frozen. Jeez. You know, it, it was crazy. So location alone can also be a big barrier. If you don't live near 
a decent school or a school district. And, and, you know, both of our families were privileged enough. You know, we moved here because of the better school system, Mm -hmm. you know, but there's a lot of people that can't do that, you Mm -hmm. know? Um, so that's a huge, huge barrier for sure. Um, we also, um, during our alternate education class, we, 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 what do you remember? We had our final project was to give some sort of solution or something. To do you remember that? I don't remember. Our final yeah, I don't either. I, re- I feel like I, rem- I don't remember what our. Yeah, I don't either. Anyway, I think it was a paper, wasn't it? Well, well we had group. It was a group project. Remember, I remember I was in a group with. Um, no, I can't remember their names. You have a much better memory than I do because I do not remember I doing remember a group project. I do remember doing a group project. I do remember who is in my group. I can see their faces. I just can't think of their names. Okay. Um, I think the most worthwhile aspect, though, of that class was, as you said, going to these schools. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. And helping out. And especially the one that was really eye-opening for me yes. was the school we visited in Detroit. Another where they school had... that has since closed down. <laughs> oh, really? That's too bad. Actually, pretty shortly after we went there, too, I think. Really? Okay. Well, yeah, the... I mean, I don't, I, don't, I don't mean like a week later, but I, I mean, right. I, probably a couple of years after we, we went in we there, there and just ruined it all, and then they closed. <laughs> they were like, look at these... Yeah, look at these college that, that kids was, ruining everything. That, I mean, that, that was a real eye-opener of an experience for me, for sure. Because, um, you know, you, you, you hear about these things, but it, it, until you see it, I think it really puts into perspective. And so that was a school in in Detroit, like in Detroit proper. like, And um, it was a school specifically for... for uh, girls that had kids and they and there was and there was a like w- there they had like a child care system and then they also had like a little uh, urban farm mm-hmm. where they could teach a whole bunch of uh you know various skills and then also you know you know they had access to some of the fruits and vegetables and stuff like that mm-hmm. um and that was that was a that was a that was a cool a cool place to visit too um but that place is not open anymore Right, which I guess leads to our other huge barrier, Jerry, in education. <laughs> exactly, you read my mind, which is funding. Yes. And I, I will say this, Jared, it really blows my mind after being someone who has lived in countries with very different educational systems, right? You know, growing up in the U.S., teaching in an education system in, you know, secondary school in the Czech Republic, mm-hmm. and then also seeing the education system in China, especially when I was able to go and do workshops at some of these different middle schools and high schools. Because I tell you what, Jared, you go to some of these middle schools and high schools in China, they look like a college campus. I mean, it is amazing. These mm-hmm. schools look impeccable. The the playgrounds, they'll have like these nice basketball hoops, this beautiful track, all of these great things for the students. And a lot of it is relatively new because the government over there does put a lot of money in their education because they, yeah. as a culture, they really value it. Whereas if See, you look at our country, it's very, very different. See, I, for, for example, I went to a school that's uh, close to me called Cranbrook. Uh, specifically because I'm selling my car and I wanted to take pictures of it. And I'm like, what nicer place to go than Cranbrook to get pictures of a car? Cranbrook looks like what, what, um, what, like Hogwarts, essentially. Yeah, pretty much. um, it has nothing to do with the government caring about education. It's all private funding and, and just money from people that, that from their crazy, um, they're crazy tuitions and then people just donating money to the school. And that's really how 
that that is you know obviously there are certain there are certain cities in the u.s where um where the education systems are very good and it's because you know they they have great funding and and they a lot of money goes towards these education systems both mostly because they've built up a system where they've gotten you know a certain clientele in the community and 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 the and it's in the community's interest to uh keep these schools up essentially well that's kind of like private we see that a lot with private colleges and universities like i've heard I've heard some of the private universities in the U.S. during the pandemic, their uh, their numbers have actually gone up in terms of funding, in terms of donation, and all of that stuff, mm. which is really interesting because we don't really see that as much with a lot of the public institutions. Yeah, yeah, and then and, and yeah, and um, do have you ever because you know then then you go to obviously some of the poor cities and. And uh, and it's sort of the opposite, you know. The education system seems to be one of the earlier places where people are like, "Oh, we need to, you know, take money out of the system, so we'll go to the education system." Right. And they always um, cut sports and art and music usually. Right. That's always where they start. Yeah. No more. No more theater classes. No more band. <laughs> right. Exactly. Um, um, have you ever in any of your grad school or undergrad regarding? Well, I guess you never in undergrad you never really focused on teaching. Would any of your like class classes? Did you ever learn about like the politics of education and like the access to education? Yes and no. So uh, it was kind of sprinkled in in some of my coursework. So one of my classes, we did a class on assessment. Um, so basically, long story short, a lot of that class was just about how to write a correct test and have an idea of your actually testing what you need to be testing for right mm. but one of the things that we learned through through that class was that a lot of the policies for testing uh, a lot of times and we've discussed this on the podcast especially during our standardized test episode a lot of those questions are written to certain demographics of people mm -hmm. which uh, I mean you could certainly argue is definitely politically motivated um, sure. So that that was one way and we talked about it. And also, it's ignorant too, because it's right. just like, well, what do you mean you don't get it? You know. <laughs> right. And then another thing that we discussed a lot was just lack of funding for support for students who are English language learning students. So you know, not all students that you see in the U.S. were born and raised here. Mm -hmm. So you know, if you move here, both of my sisters were born in Germany. Uh, my oldest sister, Denise, uh, according to my dad, at least, she went into kindergarten not knowing a word of English. And then after about a couple months of her being in kindergarten, she could speak English more or less pretty fluently. But, you know, for a lot of kids, um, it doesn't always come that easy. Um, and especially if you come to school later, like if you're 11 or 12 or 13, I think when you're so young, when you're like five or six, it's a little bit different. Yeah, I think that's the perks of being young too. Right. Well, and plus when you're five or six in kindergarten, you're learning those basic skills. Anyways, you're learning how to write. She, you're learning like, how to read. Like she's, she's, yeah, like she's fluent in German at that time, but it's not like, it's not like she is good. You know, it's like, she's not even good at the German that she knows, you know, right, because it's all spoken. Right. And exactly. She's a child. <laughs> exactly. So it's probably not that hard to just switch over it, you know? 
Right. But that was one thing we did discuss quite a bit in my graduate program mm. for my for my TESOL masters, because it's a big issue. You know, that number the, the first issue is that we don't have a, enough training for your average teacher to be able to accommodate these students. But the other issue as well is most schools don't want to spend the extra money to hire someone um, to have on, you know, on campus full time who, who, you know, helps with all of the English English language learning students. Mm-hmm. Um but once again, this just goes back to funding can be a huge barrier or lack of funding can be such a gigantic barrier in so many ways because if you don't have enough funding, uh, you might not have up-to-date textbooks, which can be a huge issue. You might not have up-to-date technology in your classrooms, right? So if you're still using the old um, um, overhead projector that Jared and I had that they would, you know, <laughs> the cart in. on the cart with the strap exactly. on it. <laughs> exactly. Whereas then you go to some other schools and they have these super nice smart Dude. boards where you can, you know, write your math equations on the board and click a button and it will email that image to all what? of your students. You've never heard of oh there's all I mean sorts I've heard of, of like a smart board I didn't know they did that I mean they probably can't do that but oh. I know you can save the image <laughs> of oh, your, I didn't even of know that you could do that board. yeah I oh, remember yeah. when I was a kid one of the one of the top sort of rich kid schools um, was always Country Day and Country Day was a school that I always wished my parents would send me to only because from middle school on they. Uh, every student was provided with a laptop. Oh, nice! You know, but this is a private school. You know, the tuition right. probably could could buy you you couple know, laptops. <laughs> yeah, forty laptops. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> I would have loved if that was your parents' response. Like, mom, dad, can I go to Country Day? No, we will buy you thirty nine laptops. Yeah, we could, <laughs> <laughs> we could buy a mid sized luxury sedan with this tuition money. Um. No, but um, that to me that was always just the coolest, you know, the coolest thing. But obviously, you know, I was I was a freaking child. I didn't know anything. I mean, it is cool, I guess. It still is right. cool, but it's just like the um, just that, just the just to even think that that was possible kind of blew my mind. Or it's like, oh wait, this is possible, <laughs> right? People can but just you- have a laptop. Like children can just have laptops. You know what's crazy about that though, Jared, is that. For a lot of schools where they don't have those that kind of funding where, you know, you don't get your own laptop, the, mm-hmm. the issue with that as well is that barrier becomes a further barrier later in life. Because if you grow up in a system where you, you don't even really um, – and, and I know I might sound crazy or maybe even sound a bit antiquated here, but there are still plenty of schools where kids don't have access to technology – like most that that you would think of, right? So what happens is if these kids grow up without uh, access to computers and the internet and everything else, there's going to be a lot of skills that they just Mm -hmm. won't be able to develop. So then when they get into middle school, high school, college, when they need to do more stuff with that, they might not have those skills just yet. You're constantly starting behind a little bit. Yeah, exactly. I I agree with you 100%. You know what? When you brought that up, that's something I never thought of, but when you brought that up, what well, I did think of it. That's not true. I, I mean, it's kind of. But but the, but what I never thought of was the fact that, uh, like for my first job was in finance, and so it required a like a, a pretty high level of Excel expertise. Mm-hmm. And I just imagine like even if you just started using computers at like from from childhood, like all these shortcuts that you might learn along the way, you you could have down 
by the time someone's just starting to even figure out what you know some of these programs are right. and, and even just something as simple as like your excel knowledge just by you know an extra decade on top of another person of just like windows knowledge or whatever could right. make a huge difference oh for sure yeah and the other thing that i think a lot of especially uh, older generations don't I mean, that's realize. not super old to say now that I, I feel like, because I feel like now everyone, well, I guess still everyone does not have access to computers, though. Right. Well, and, and once again, not only that, but do they have regular available right. access to internet? Like, they might have a computer, but if they have shitty Wi-Fi and they can't, you know, watching mm-hmm. one video, like watching a tutorial on how to split a, split a cell in Excel... <laughs> that you can't end up watching because it keeps buffering after 30 seconds. You know, there there are all these little <clears throat> little tiny things I think that add up and a lot of this unfortunately does um a lot of this does have to do with poverty as well, right? Mm-hmm. So so if you're in a poor area, especially in the US, uh, a lot of those schools they're very underfunded uh for numerous reasons, right? They might not do great on the standardized tests, which is one metric for funding. They might not pay as much in property frac- as uh, property said, taxes. Right. It's super flawed. Yeah. And yeah. They, they might not be paying as much in property taxes. So that's another way schools can get funding. I mean, mm-hmm. there's all sorts of issues. Um, and poverty adds tons and tons of other barriers and layers. Like we talked about food, right? Uh, I remember talking to a friend of mine who did Teach for America, which is basically you go for two years. I wanted to ask you years. about that because uh-huh. I don't really know what that... Like, I've heard of it, but I don't really know what it is. So basically, because I was an applicant for it, I actually got to the final round right before we graduated from college. But then when I got... You know, I found out that I had funding for grad school. I was like, sorry, but I got to take this. I, I have yeah. funding for grad school. And they, they were like, oh, yeah, you need you need to do that. So, <laughs> But now how are you going to get a picture with a little African kid for your well, Tinder okay, profile? Okay, so that's not... That's not <laughs> that's not um, teach for America. That would be teach for Africa, I guess, Jared. Um, but te- so what teach for America is is you you apply and then you oh, teach in a low income in area. I yes, I see. Yeah, and you teach in usually a low income area where they have a a serious need for teachers. You teach there for I believe two years is the contract. Um, the salary isn't. I mean, it's okay. It's it's a livable salary. You're not going to be super comfortable, and you're not going to be getting rich off of it but it's livable and yeah, but i that's know they how do... it is for most uh gra- grade school teachers <laughs> that's true that's true um and then the other thing with it is i do believe they forgive a certain amount of um loans from from college as well so so anyways but i was talking to a friend of mine who did teach for america and they said it was one of the most challenging jobs they ever had because things that we wouldn't even think about were you know, things that wouldn't even come to our mind were a lot of issues that was just a daily thing for a lot of their students. For example, a lot of their students, if they didn't get to school on time and they missed breakfast, they might, their only meal for that day might be lunch, mm-hmm. right? So can you imagine having one meal for the rest of your day and you, and then you need to go home and you need to do your homework? A lot of, uh, People a lot are of students- better fed in prison. R- right, right. Well, that's a whole nother- that's a whole nother can of worms that we need to talk about at some point is our is our ridiculous prison system. Mm. But yeah, it just seemed like though there are so many basic things in life that aren't being met for so many students. Or you know, they're I, not. I imagine like getting to and from school as yep, well. That can be a big problem. A big barrier because I also imagine too. Some of these low income areas probably don't have as good of a school bus network. Oh, for sure. As well. Yeah. Well, also. 
the the other thing too is not only getting to and from school, but the timing of it, right? If you, especially if you come from a family, a single household family, a single parent family, mm-hmm. they might be working all night or they might not be able to come pick you up from school. So exactly. That's one issue. The other issue is a lot of parents rely on after school programs, but if schools get funding cut, they lose a lot of these after school programs. You know, mm-hmm. so this could be sports, this could be clubs, this could be all sorts of different stuff. Uh, my, and that's yeah. my school had um had like a like a um shoot, I can't remember what they call it now, but essentially like an area for people that have to get that can't get picked up right when school ends, where you could wait for like another up to like two hours or whatever. Mm-hmm. And they would watch over you, but you know it was a private school, and you obviously had to pay pay for that too separately, right? Um, so it's like, yeah, well, sure, we'll certainly stay for another two hours if you give us another blah 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 thousand dollars or whatever, right? So right. yeah, yeah, and so that's that's another really big issue as well, with uh, you know, and, and can be a big barrier because if you think about a lot of these schools where if they do cut these extracurricular activities, how how are some of these kids going to? develop their talents, figure out, oh, this is a hobby I actually like. Mm-hmm. And in the U.S., you know, especially if you are a talented athlete, that could be, you know, that could be a scholarship for college. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Um, for sure. I think the one of the biggest barriers, though, Jared, in education today, um, and, I, and I hate to say this because I have many teacher friends, but I think lack of training is another huge barrier because... So you're not talking about yourself. You're talking about everyone else. Well, oh, I I don't have I don't have the training to teach in a public school. Are you kidding me? No, I was just kidding because you said you don't want to bag on your other people. It's like I got it, but the other people. Well, mm. why, why do you why do you think I teach college, Jared? Why do you think there's a reason why I teach college and university? Just, college classes. is easier. I wouldn't say it's easier, but it takes a different set of skills, mm. and it takes a whole different set of people skills because. I'm not, generally speaking, in most of the classes I've taught at different universities, I've never really had to reprimand or discipline my students. Mm-hmm. Like, I've never had to, you know, I've never had any serious issues. Whereas, I remember when I was in third grade, for example, one kid in my class came with another kid with a pair of scissors. And our uh, our <laughs> math teacher at the time, Mr., um, what was his name? Doesn't matter. He had to get in between the students, take the pair of scissors from the one student while yeah. also not getting stabbed. Himself, you know, so it's, And that shit's inevitable. I yep. mean, maybe not having to avoid a stab or prevent stabbings, but like reprimanding and preventing some sort of physical altercation is probably yeah. almost inevitable as a grade school teacher. Oh, for sure. <laughs> for sure. Without a doubt. But I just think there's there's also the other issue, too, with with the training component is we have we have a lot of, you know, we ha- yes, we do have, you know, education programs where you can get a bachelor's of education and they do have some training and stuff like that. But at the same time, I, I wonder, are, are teachers being trained in the appropriate ways? Are they and then after you've been teaching for a while, you have to keep up with your teaching credentials. But I, I don't really know what all of that entails. The other thing is, too, is like what the pandemic has showed us is that teachers haven't had enough training in using education for pedagogy. I mean, using I know education some, for pe- pedagogy. Or sorry, using technology mm. uh, um, in an educational manner. Because I see. when you teach face to face, it's very different than teaching online, right? Mm-hmm. So, so there's a lot of issues. And the other sad thing that I've I've heard and I've read many articles about throughout this entire pandemic is, and I think some of it's because teachers are burnt out. 
Not that I'm saying this behavior is appropriate, but a lot of teachers are burnt out, and I've seen videos of teachers snapping at their students on Zoom. Like I read this article about this uh, this little girl. She was in, I think, second or third grade on her Zoom class, and she went to go plug in her laptop, so she turned to grab the charger to plug it in, and her teacher snapped at her and said, you need to face forward at all times during my lesson. And the teacher didn't realize that the mom was working from home and the mom heard her. And the mom said, it's okay, honey. Uh, just let your laptop die. It's okay. And so she, and then the teacher realized like, oh shit, I, I made a mistake. And so the mm-hmm. teacher apologized to the student. But but once again, this is, I had, I've had some moments in my teaching where I got really frustrated at the technology and I almost snapped at one of my students, but it wasn't my student's fault. So you need to learn how to, and that takes practice. The only reason why I think I was able to not snap at my student is because I work with faculty on a daily basis mm. where I'm like, no, no, you got to click here. No, you got to, <laughs> you know what I mean? So, I, so I've developed more of a patience oh, yeah. with technology. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is good because you're going to have to probably use that ability not to snap over the next, uh, however many weeks or three weeks he said when you have to do all these uh little test thingies you gotta do yep. for your midterms yep exactly so but yeah i think you know there there's so many aspects that uh and i will say i think being a good teacher is one of the most difficult jobs in the world because you have and i'm not saying this because i'm a teacher myself i'm mm. saying this because there's just so many things you need to be aware of as a teacher you know, you have many students, you have to always try to do your best to meet them at their level and push them in a healthy way, right? You don't want, you want them to impress, uh, to impress, you want them to improve and progress. I had those two words and I combined them. <laughs> um, you want them to improve and progress and you ha- and a good teacher knows how I think to challenge their students but challenge them in a way that isn't demeaning it doesn't make them feel small or intimidated it's 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 a way to get your students to think a little bit harder um, and to push the envelope a little bit and that's really hard to do and I'm still learning a lot of these these things as well so it's not like I have it down because I certainly don't Jared. So what are some other barriers that come to mind, Jared, when we think of education? Um, do you have any more? I, 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 I do have a couple more. Please, keep going. Number one is just infrastructure. And that does kind of lead to funding. I mean, a lot of this goes back to poverty and funding. Sure, I mean, a lot can be solved with money. Right. But but just in, insufficient infrastructure. So a lot of places, like I said, they might not have appropriate tech also, with technology, though, the other aspect of infrastructure, I had a meeting the other day for work, and this this was a really fascinating idea, is that infrastructure is not only the, the buildings or the stuff, but infrastructure is also the people who run and manage and build all of those things, mm. which is kind of an easy thing to realize, but when... when my colleague said that to me the other day during a meeting. I was like, I was like, that's really, I'd never thought about it that way. You know, we mm-hmm. always think of infrastructure like good public transit, and we think of like a really speedy subway system, right? But we yeah, don't think but about that all stuff those. Doesn't just appear, right? Exactly, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and it so, doesn't work without someone maintaining it or somehow. That's a exactly. good point. I never really thought about that too. You know, yeah, it's true. Like you think about the building, but it's like yeah, the building. Would, would would be in terrible condition if there weren't people constantly uh, keep you know keeping it up exactly repairing it cleaning it 
your janitors, yeah. all those people. Mm-hmm. Uh, exactly. Another big barrier as well in education is too much red tape. When a lot of a lot of schools nowadays, they can't do a lot of good. Th- like when we used to go on field trips all the time as kids. Nowadays, from what I've heard, it is way way more difficult just to go on a field trip with your students. I right? could see and, I that. And I mean, we we did talk about how amazing our field trip to the uh, Natural History Museum in Vienna was, right? So yeah, but we were adults then. But I remember when we were kids. Yeah, I mean, you you bring home a piece of paper and it explains what the trip is, when it is, and your parents write your name and sign that. Yeah, you can take my kid here. You, the child, bring that paper back to school, hand it to the teacher, and then you can get on the bus a week from then or two weeks from then and go on the trip. Is it more than that now? That's not that's not all it is. It's what well, it's I'm they sure can also it's... just send like a DocuSign and do it uh, right <laughs> virtually or send a text message. <laughs> yeah. Click Reply this link yes. if your kid can get on this bus with us. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. I'm trying to think of some other other big barriers. I mean, I will say as well. I think, I think it's really good for kids um, when they have when they have a teacher that they can really look up to. What I mean by this is that if you have teachers who who are the especially the types of teachers where they they show up to school, they do the bare minimum, and then they go home. You know, I had teachers where uh, they helped run some after school clubs with us. You know, we had some teachers who were different sports coaches, all of these different teachers that, that, and I'm not saying this is a requirement for teachers because it's certainly not, but when you can develop those good relationships with your teachers, I think it just adds a, a different element, a positive element to your education where when you know this person has my back, this person is here to help me versus if you see your teacher and you and you view them as oh this person doesn't like me i'm i'm already not going to do well in this class then you're already at such a big disadvantage mhm sure yeah and that barrier you know that can come up no matter what the financial level you're at oh for sure or no matter what the funding is there 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 are always teachers that either give a shit or don't give a shit and the teachers who actually gave a shit is the reason why i wanted to become a teacher Mm. You know, that was really one of the main reasons I had some great teachers in through throughout my entire, you know, schooling from primary, secondary and college. You know, we had and, and grad school as well. And just being a part of knowing that you are helping people better and, you know, better their lives and improve their lives. It's a really powerful thing. You know, I've written I've written about 10 recommendation letters for different students. And I will tell you, Jared, I at least know three out of those 10 uh, students of mine have uh, got into those universities mm. uh, where, you know, I wrote them a letter of recommendation. Now, I'm not saying that not I didn't great, really... Not a great um, ratio. Not going to lie. Well, five of them, uh, <laughs> they're, they're applying for this year. So they haven't... Oh, okay, okay, okay. So, okay. so they're still in between. And also, these are universities in China. So I don't know what they're their timing is but anyways i mean yes you're right three out of ten isn't great but still <laughs> if those three students were able to go but it's to more, their it's dream not university ten, really because not everyone's right. even been accepted yet right hey if i can get five out of ten fifty percent that's, that's not bad that's, that's not, not too bad. bad yeah that's not too bad but but you know when you have teachers really in your corner you know if you if you feel like your teachers aren't there for you or aren't in your corner um i just know i don't know about you jared but the way i always have been as a student is if 
If I don't get along with that teacher, I mean, you know me, our listeners, if they've been listening for a while, they can tell I'm a pretty agreeable guy for the most part. But I'm the type of person where, like, I had a, I had a professor in undergrad. This was the only C I got, Jared, while we were at Albion, was I had this teacher in undergrad. Uh, they called her Scary Mary. I don't know if you ever had her. Yeah, the English but, teacher. Yep. Yep, and that was the only C I ever got, and the only reason why I got a C, and I should have listened to one of our fraternity brothers, he straight up told me, he said, you need to argue with her during class. He said, if you argue with her, you will get a good grade. <laughs> I, I had her too. I don't remember what I got, um, but I had her too. She always used to wear the hat. Yep. Yeah. Yep. She wasn't yep. that scary. She just was a little grumpy. She was she actually, very I didn't think she was that bad. <laughs> we have very Maybe clearly chatted a different opinion yep yep well once again this Maybe was I just one felt of those... bad for her. i'm like oh come on like i, I just i was like this it felt because it, it's like the, the, this grumpiness has nothing to do with us this it feels like it felt like a personal problems not just felt bad you right. know i'm like i wonder what's going on in there yeah, well, yeah, but anyways, my whole point with that story about Scary Mary is <laughs> I that forgot about her. Is that I, because I didn't feel that she was really in my corner, I kind of was like, all right, well, f this class, I'm just gonna focus on my other classes, mm-hmm. um, you know, and and yeah, I got that. Imagine if if it's like that for like four out of five of your classes, you're not in a good place. You yeah, know? for sure. Um, for sure. So so yeah, but I think just to just to kind of circle back and. Uh, recap what we said today obviously poverty and funding huge gigantic barriers mm-hmm. um training for teachers is another really really big one as well um just like the the how do i say this jared basically the the conditions of your students lives so are are there standard oh, yeah. the students standards of li- exactly is that being met you know are they having enough meals per day do they have a stable household at home and for a lot of students unfortunately they don't which can be a huge barrier Mm -hmm. Um, that's for sure and unfortunately i don't think there will be any large changes jared until we collectively as a culture really understand the value of education it's i find it so funny that's a barrier that we only kind of touched on is the political aspect that's true politics is a huge barrier because as you know we we said in passing that you know money is always pulled out of education first but in but it's you know it's a bigger deal than that in the sense that i think that it's just not really like in comparison to especially in the u.s in comparison to things relating to uh police or military military um there seems to be Oil. you know uh, yeah endless amounts of money guns uh yeah any sort of any a lot of a lot of violent related things there seem to be endless amounts of money for yet uh education seems to be always one of the first places to go to cut funding and, you know there have been i'm sure you and your teacher circles have seen all the memes about people complaining about defund the police Yet uh, there's no problem. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> they have no fr- problem defunding a teacher that's already paying for most well, of their own supplies. There's a there's a funny meme that was like um was like how do you it was a police officer it looked like they were like crying or whining it was like how do you expect me to do my job if I don't have all my funding you know mm-hmm. and then and then the next picture was a picture of a teacher kind of smiling and it and it was like it was like hold go my, ahead we can do it you know hold, or something uh, yeah, like that hold my assault rifle. <laughs> right <laughs> hold my hold my uh hold my chalkboard eraser and my and my uh my door my door <laughs> jam to stop the uh the mass shooters yeah and, and um well you know speaking of the mass shooter too the thing about the um lack of funding is during you know for for a while there was to the talk about 
supplying uh, teachers with guns yeah. in a Terrible sense idea. to prevent mass shootings. Or not, I guess not prevent it, just sort of stop it before it gets too bad. Right. Uh, um, and it's like, you guys can't even supply them with like notebooks. Yep. Yet you're going to, now everyone's going to be, uh, and not only have a gun, but I, I imagine you're going to train them, I hope. <laughs> or... <laughs> right. And where's all that money coming from? Exactly. Yeah. And it's like, how about you just, how do you just pay them enough to actually teach children before you start trying to figure out how to pay or right. get, you know, pay for guns for teachers? I think at some point, Jared, we, we need to do a gun episode. And so, okay, point. sure. I think we need to. Because there's a lot to be said with with a lot of that, um, but yeah, that was just such a crazy idea as well. Because yeah, what do you really do? You really expect your math teacher to you know pull out her Glock <laughs> and <laughs> I just exactly. shot this kid and and took care of the situation. Right. That's also the thing you're telling a teacher to shoot shoot a child, like maybe you know? even one of their students. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Like if it comes to it, it's like you have to be prepared to shoot your shoot your student dead. And it's like, uh, I, yeah, I did not sign up for this. <laughs> right. It's like this is, and uh, yeah. So um, yeah, there's there's certainly a lot of lot of barriers, a <laughs> lot of barriers in in education, and yeah, I think collectively until there's a political turn. I hate to say this, Jared, but I it's I'm a firm happen, believer. That's not. I'm a firm believer, uh, and I hate to be negative, but I'm a firm believer that revolution. due to the the lack of funding and just importance of our own education system in America, my generation, and especially uh, uh, so our generation, the millennials and the Gen Zers, we're going to be screwed. Yeah, our country is on the decline, and there's we no are- sort of there's no sort of indication that there's that the tide is turning. Because you said like you know we there needs to be a shift where people start caring about education more. There's been no indication that we've made any sort of progress in that direction. And I don't think we're getting anywhere close to that, to be honest with you. Right. Right. And I think the easy ways we could see this would be uh, better funding for schools and uh, better uh, funding and training and support for teachers as well. The The other thing that that I think we, we don't realize as well is that we we push this narrative so much about higher education. Like, you got to go to college. you got to go to college. But the other issue is we are going to see a severe shortage for a lot of other jobs that are really important. That, I think, is also, Jared, another barrier is the fact that that most teachers try to sell this idea of going to college, mm-hmm. which, which, you know, I think college can be great for a lot of people, but it's not for everyone and it's not necessary for all careers. Mm. You could have a great career and make very good money without having to get a bachelor's degree. Sure. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Do that people say that and i know that that's true but i i i assume and maybe this is just my own indoctrination that it's harder to make a, to make good money without it though it, i think it, it it can be certainly um yeah i think the other the other thing too is there's this allure of getting this fancy job where you don't have to do very much hard manual labor, right? Whereas a lot sure. of the trades, it's harder manual labor. Yeah. Well, let me just give you one example. I was at a bar uh, when I was 23, 24. I went to uh, this old bar in uh, in my town in Dexter, and uh, I was talking with an old classmate of mine who is a plumber. And this was, this was you know, four or five years ago, uh, actually six years ago now. And I talked to him back then when I was still in graduate school, I was just making enough to get by, 
and uh, and he was making eighty thousand a year, Jared, as a plumber, uh, and was starting his own plumbing business and was about to hire on a couple more plumbers. And this was six years ago. Now, who knows? He might have a couple of plumbers under his own business. Out of business. What you think he's out of business? No, I'm just saying. I'm just saying. <laughs> no, no, I don't know. I don't know. I don't think he is or anything. I'm I just highly saying, doubt it. I'm just saying, or he could be out of business. You know, <laughs> he, he could um, be, but I, no, I doubt. I don't. It. I don't think he is or anything. No, I, 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 I doubt it too. I was just. I'm just fucking around. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, no, I, I'm not. Yeah, I'm not saying it's impossible. And 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 I, I can fully admit that I've also been indoctrinated to believe that you know, you know, to have a a good comfortable living you have to go to to college honestly I, i'm clearly i'm i'm indoctrinated too that you got to go to grad school at this point because my a lot of people keep pushing that on me now too so it's right. like jeez what, what i will what, say though i am not one of those people pushing grad school on you uh yeah why would you <laughs> <laughs> that's true uh, um, well i do want the best for you jared thank you it seems like grad school. That's not the point. It's not about that. Let's move on, please. Let's we can we can close this. We don't have to talk about my grad school woes. All righty, that that can be another episode. Jared's <laughs> grad school woes, or future grad school woes. All right. Well, let us know, everybody, what your thoughts are on some yes. barriers in education, and if you have any other solutions, because we we didn't really talk about many solutions today. I mean, a lot we don't of have these, the answers. Let's be honest. Right. That's true. That's true. Nonetheless, not, though, I do think it is important to discuss these things and bring them up, so it does build more awareness. Sure. So, sure. So yeah. But anyways, let us know at untranslatablepodcast at gmail.com. You can check us out on Instagram, Untranslatable Podcast, and on YouTube as well. And uh, also, please, five-star reviews on iTunes and Stitcher. Let us know how we can make this podcast better for you. So as we say here at the Untranslatable Podcast, Dekuyame, muchas gracias, shisha, and dosvidanya. It's a good one, dude. Good song. <laughs> I love. I it. need to. I need to start writing more music again. I've been so preoccupied trying to get everything in the van. I haven't really spent much time, yeah, recording any new music lately. Yeah, yeah, I hear you. I hear you. It's good, but I mean, at least you have. It's because you have other hobbies keeping you occupied, right? Aren't Not you just sitting uh, on the couch doing see, nothing? I feel- I feel like I keep. I feel like every time I talk to you, you're you should be close to going somewhere, aren't you? Aren't you? Didn't you say like a couple weeks ago that in two weeks you were going somewhere? I did, I did, but I didn't have everything done. I still don't have everything done. The issue is, Jared. You know, what you need, no. Here's the deal. You, what you need to stop doing is saying that you're going to go somewhere soon. <laughs> because I'm always like, oh, shouldn't you be gone? You're like, yeah. Well, got delayed. Right. Also, you're experiencing car. Uh, car modification life this is you know as someone that's in in the car world and pay attention to a lot of like people that do car stuff this is how every person that modifies cars this is how it goes this will definitely be ready by this time well right after i finish this it'll be definitely be ready (laughs) right that makes sense yeah well the good news is i got my portable battery so i got a jackery uh got it all charged up the one that we looked at Uh,